Welcome to the Joy Venture Podcast, a show where dreamers and doers share stories of discovering, developing, and spreading their joy with your world. I'm your host, Thad Devassi, along with Jeremy Slagle. In this episode, Jeremy and I meet up with Kevin Ely in the tasting room of the Woolly Pig Farm Brewery, a small craft brewery that Kevin quite literally crafted by hand. Kevin shares why he stepped down as the brewmaster at a nationally known brewery in Utah to buy a farm in Fresno, Ohio, and brew on his own terms. There's no doubt Kevin knows beer. With a degree in brewing science and a recurring judge at the Great American Beer Festival, he's no hobbyist. And when it came to constructing his own brewery, he had a laser-sharp focus on what he wanted it to be. And in full disclosure, Jeremy and I worked with Kevin to craft his story and create the old world-inspired design. This is the Joy Venture Podcast with Kevin Ely. Kevin, thanks for inviting us out to your place. This is really great to kind of see how everything's come together. And um, Thad and I have known about your business venture and, and what you're doing here for, what? Over a year. Over a year now. And for us to kind of like step into it and be in the space and see the product coming out and and, and just all come together has been really neat. So thanks for inviting us out. And Well, thanks for coming. It's been fun to share it with you and see... Have you guys see what I was talking about and envisioning? So, yeah. <laughs> I think when we were coming out here, one of the funny things that we were reminiscing on was we first met, I think, at a Bob Evans, and it was still dark in the morning, and you were off to the Great American Beer Festival to, to judge. And and um, Jeremy and I have both worked with a lot of startups over over time, and you, you approach these things with a little bit of caution. Like, is this guy for real, or is he not for real? And so... When you started talking beer, and and I don't mean just beer, I'm not talking the science of beer and the science and, and specifications of, of of taps and stuff. My, my head just like kind of like, <laughs> like this guy knows what he's talking about, right? So this this guy clearly knows beer. And then as we kind of went, you know, as it progressed and we went forward, the vision that you had for this place, and then the first time we came out here, it was like, He's going to put a brewery here. It was this piece of land was. It's beautiful. It's absolutely beautiful. But at first, it's like you you believe in the vision, and then you're like, okay, but Kenny is he going to act on the vision? And and coming here today, it's like, oh my gosh, this is one of the rare instances that I've experienced where someone has just like had the vision, executed it, nailed it, like just totally exceeded expectations. This place is beautiful. Well, thanks, and thanks for the support. I mean, for me, a, a big part of it, too, was, was the imaging and the brand image uh, and just what we were trying to, to express and having support and being able to express that with our logo and, and the messaging was really helpful. You weren't paid to say that, by the way. Uh, no, but it was, <laughs> it, was a, it was a huge part of it. I mean, it helped uh, me just clarify my thoughts to a certain degree, but also... It's 
it was it's very important because I, I think that you know it's it's the image of what's aside from the logo there's the space that you know have these ideas and concepts that we're trying to build and create and uh, then suddenly you know we want other people to kind of you know get a glimpse of understanding what that might be just by seeing a little speck of a logo somewhere and hopefully I think that you know we got some in, a lot of interest with our with that so that's been helpful as well yeah I mean I remember the first time we talked on the phone you called me up and you were you know I I can't tell you how many times I've talked with people Central Ohio has been just exploding over the last few years with microbreweries with independent brewers a lot of people that kind of just started brewing in their basement or their garage and have decided I want to you know quit my job and do this full time and so I've met with a lot of people like that I've talked with a lot of people like that some of them are fly by night and some of them are still in business a lot of them have no frankly no understanding of what it means to scale up from home brewing to do something like this so you know like like Thad said you know I approach calls like that with a bit of skepticism because I've seen a lot come and go um, but then you know I googled you. And I was like, whoa. Yeah, he's for real. Yeah, like this guy knows what he's doing. He's off to judge at the Great American Beer Fest. He's, he, you know, do a quick Google of uh, Kevin Ely Brewer, and you're going to find that you've had a lot of experience doing this, you know? And I, I think that's what, what really drew us to, to A, want to work with you, but B, want to get you on this podcast because, you know, some people would consider what you've done a step backwards. You know, you've, you, you, you were really influential and an important part of making you into brewing, helping grow the brewery, helping to kind of put them on the map and, and, and bring their quality control up and all of that stuff. Curious as to what changed, like what was the, what was the impetus for saying, you know what, this is great. I've kind of learned my thing here and I've, I've done good work, but I want to buy a piece of farmland that's been sitting for years with an old barn and a tractor that doesn't run and and uh you know and and kind of do this on my own i'm just curious like what was it that first i'd like to hear a little bit more about like tell us about your time at uinta and 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 that but but i'd like to hear kind of what prompted you to kind of make that change sure um i'll try to stay on track i get off on tangents so um well you went to you know, I went there uh, coming from a smaller brew pub, which was actually similar in scale to this uh, at our brewery here at Woolly Pig Farm Brewery. But I, prior to that, had worked at you know a bigger brewery, and I'd also had a formal brewing education. So I was kind of primed when I was in Salt Lake City to go to Uinta, and uh, it was an opportunity for me to really try to learn the ropes of a bigger system and really try to not just the system of the brew house, but the system of the whole facility and, and brewery itself. And so I was really thrown into the fire uh, there right out of the gate. And, um, you know, it's sort of that situation of sink or swim or uh, figure out how to, how to keep things running. And so I learned a lot, and it was, it was a great experience. And I had, was able to implement a lot of my education through of quality assurance systems and programs but as well, I learned a lot about maintenance and mechanics of breweries. And along the way, I also learned a fair bit of, you know, the, kind of the finances. And, and there's all the other business aspects, you know, the importance of marketing and, and branding and, 
and you know the list is long. And so at Uinta, I, I had an opportunity to be involved in a lot of different projects that were part of the growth and and part of just the re, reimagination, redevelopment, gro- just the growing of a business. And it was it was fun, uh, and I really enjoyed it. It was also hard. And while I was there, I'd never I didn't really know that I was going to be Uinta that long. It was almost a decade. And it was great. I just I didn't intend ever, if you ask me when I first started, to be there for that long. Not that I wouldn't, but it it was there were a lot of great opportunities, and I kept being excited about these opportunities, and I kept diving into them, and and uh, it it took me to some great places. I went to Germany a lot and worked with some great minds in the world of brewing science and engineering, and learned a lot from those uh, fantastic people. Spent a lot of time in Germany drinking a lot of great beer with folks like that, uh, great brewers from you know across the United States there, and also some brewers in Germany made some good friends there and learned, felt that I got a good understanding of what the beer was like there. But that's a tangent of German beer, I guess. But, but it's important. It's yeah. important to your story. And, and so from uh, Uinta, I, I guess, you know, transitioning to here, I always knew, I've always, I mean... When I was living in Salt Lake City, Utah, where you went to Brewing Companies located, I, if you saw our our house, our home, we lived in a small house. It was 760 square feet. Uh, we'd had our first child, and uh, then then we had our second one on the way, and then we had our second child, and that was shortly before we we left. But you know, it was a 760 square foot house. Uh, it's pretty small. It was built in 1890s. It was, it was a very nice little comf- comfortable home. But we had a really big backyard, um, and we were in the middle of the city. I mean, I could walk to Trader Joe's and Whole Foods, and you know there was a French bistro right behind us. I could literally throw an egg at from our, our chicken coop. Um, we probably had about 12 different uh, fruit trees in the backyard, so almost a small orchard. We had a really large garden, and so we just spent a lot of time outside, and, and I always have. And uh, you know, I had friends growing up that always... In retrospect, it's funny. Some people would joke that I would end up on a farm someday. And it was never really my plan or my intention, but it, it, I guess maybe there's something inherently uh, about inherent about myself that just draws that I'm drawn to, it and people see it as well. And I ended up here on this 90-acre farm. <laughs> so, but I also knew that. I mean, I was a brewer. I studied biochemistry and brewing science at university at UC Davis in California. And did my first brewing internship at Scott Brewing in Durango, Colorado, uh, in 1998. So that's 20 years ago. Uh, actually, it'll be 20 years ago in in June. <laughs> but uh, uh, that was, yeah, it was. I, I, you know, my my career is brewing. I also did a lot of woodworking along the way as a hobby. And right out of college, for a few months, uh, for about actually better part of a year, I was a stair builder, and uh, worked with a lot of really fantastic woods on some great stair projects in the Bay Area and, and Napa Valleys and Sonoma Valleys, uh, you know, so kind of wine country. And, you know, I've always enjoyed working with wood. Um, when I was working, you know, like kind of hard labor jobs in the summer, uh, some of those workers would say, oh, I missed my calling. I should have been a carpenter. And, you know, I feel like now I can be kind of a carpenter and a brewer and a farmer. <laughs> Yeah. So I don't know. It's it all maybe in a sense it's all crystallized and it's all come together, and you know it's it's fun to wear a lot of hats. It's also stressful, um, but 
it's been fantastic to have that suddenly we're having this you know sudden success and we're doing it i think in a very i'm not saying in a super controlled way but it's it's to a certain regard it's 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 on our terms a little bit we're not really overextending ourselves i feel like we're trying to grow you know you hear organically or you know grassroots whatever but we're just trying to grow by our own you know own comfortable means as opposed to I feel like we have something great and we could really make it blow it up and try to go crazy with it. Like a lot of breweries are doing right now, which is fine. That's a great thing. I just worry that, uh, you know, once you have that flywheel, that big flywheel, you make it bigger and heavier and faster that it it takes you places that you maybe didn't intend to go. (laughs) And so right now I feel like we're in a good spot where we can try to focus on here and that's one thing that changed for our business plan as well is that we were intending to sell a lot more offsite and intending to be, you know, spread farther out. But the local community and and just kind of the greater beer community around us has really been uh, excited and supportive of our brewery here. And so we actually don't have the capacity to sell beer offsite. We sell it all onsite right now. And so the plan is like, well, maybe in the fall we'll, when we get some more tanks in, we can start to go offsite. But it's also possible that if on-site continues to grow we'll just kind of go with that and it's allowed us to also invest in more space here which we didn't intend to do right away we were thinking oh well we'll be needing to invest more in tanks and production capacity as opposed to on-site seating and service capacity like so we just built a uh, you know a thousand square foot pavilion outside and and have seating for a hundred hundred people at, in beer gardens uh, you know st- you know themed tables and, and benches and and that was a great thing and now we're about to build a second parking lot in a couple of weeks because we need more parking and it's just uh it's it's fun to suddenly change our plan slightly but not it, you know i think it was more of our five-year vision to be like well we'll do all these things on site but we really need to focus on doing more production capacity and, stuff and to put some context on that for people who don't realize it's march it's the beginning of march here in Columbus, um, you opened at the beginning of the winter and have been open during the winter. And you're talking about building outside pavilions to get enough people in here to sit. So, uh, you know, it hasn't exactly been the kind of weather that you sit outside and drink beer. Not exactly. No. Um, and it's been a, you know, a, a harder winter than most, I would say, yeah. uh, you know, we would have to plow, the parking lot uh, here and there just because we need to have it be safe and, you know, one that you could travel through. (laughs) Um, And thanks to our neighbors for helping us with that. Um, But yeah, it's, I mean, there's still a bit of snow on the ground and we didn't have a roof or anything outside. And so it was kind of fun at first people would come in and you would on Fridays nights and Saturdays, people would pack in here. We'd have, 50, 60, maybe as much, maybe 70 people just on the inside here. Wow. And so we build a fire outside if it wasn't raining or snowing or blowing heavily. And you could go, people could go out. So you could get 10 or 15 people out around that. So it would take a little bit of the strain off. And and uh, we just kept realizing that, well, you know, when the weather gets better, we'll have to do something. And then it became apparent that we need to do it as soon as possible. So What uh, a great problem to have. And yeah. as soon as we, so we had that up just before St. Patty's Day. Uh, which wasn't intended to be a big celebration for us. We, you know, we we helped people celebrate it. Uh, we didn't have green beer or anything, <laughs> but we did have a our own green beer in a sense where we had this release of a our maple sap cream ale, which was 
brewed instead of with water it was brewed with pure maple sap some of it from our farm but most of it from adjacent farms all within fresno which you know the immediate area which was kind of fun and uh so yeah it was i guess you could say that's a very green beer but it was brewed with 200 gallons of over 200 gallons of maple sap and no water so um that was kind of fun but yeah, so that release was on St. Patty's Day. So we had a, we had a lot a lot of people here on that Saturday, and we're really glad that we had a roof outside and a little bit of extra space. And then we've been setting tables up in the brew house um, production side, making sure that we're not doing. I don't have to do any brewing or production during those hours because through January and February I was doing a lot of late night brewing on Friday nights and Saturday nights, just because there's I was just trying to catch up for a few months there. And yeah. now I feel like we're kind of caught up and can focus on the other projects that help make being at you know our brewery and facility and, and and site and farm a little bit easier and more comfortable but people also like the closeness and and the coziness so during the winter time when you had everyone packed in here uh and you know it's dark outside you know it's getting dark you know five five thirty six and everyone could be inside, and it could be snowing and blowing, and you kind of have these, you know, light, this, you know, this nice lighting, soft lighting, and stuff, and and good beer, and and people just really enjoy that 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 environment. So that was nice to to have that. But, yeah, I think the again, just to sort of reiterate, you, you Jeremy's kind of said Columbus. You're in Fresno, and mm-hmm. this is. This is about an hour and 15 minutes outside of Columbus. This isn't a suburb of Columbus, right? This is a, this is a stretch. And so, but yet, and you're in farm community. Like you said, you've got multiple farms um, around you. Who's coming? Who Are you pulling from a local community? Is is this something that, you know, when, when, when you and your wife chose this place to say, because it does feel like it feels way out of the way, right? And and so the question is, why here, and how have people responded in the local community? And is that is that really who's showing up on a regular basis? Yeah, I mean, there's a certain degree of luck and fortune, I guess. I mean, my wife grew up one property over from this farm, and this farm had been in the family that we that owned it, but prior to us, for you know, they'd owned it since the 1860s. And part of that was on. It was a federal land holding uh, for basically uh, people. They would give plots of land to veterans of wars and stuff. Anyhow, that's a different story. But it was great that my wife wanted to come back. You know, we had our kids, and and that they were my wife's family was so embedded in this community that was you know they're integrated in the community but the community itself is already very tight itself and so whenever i would come visit I, I noticed that and i always enjoyed experiencing that and meeting all the friends of the family and and other family members and 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 such and so i could see that there was a really tight community and i knew that wherever if we ever were to open up a brewery uh that that would be a really great thing to do mm-hmm. to be not a great thing to do, but to have a community that's already supported, you know, your family's already a part of. And so it was really easy for us to come in and be brought into the fold of that community very, you know, with, with open arms and tremendous, you know, welcoming. Uh, it, it, was, it was fantastic. You know, my wife and I almost moved to Casper, Wyoming from Salt Lake City 
because she was uh, pursuing a tenure track teaching position as a biology professor. And those jobs are hard to come by. She applied for a job that had approximately 300 applicants, and she was offered the job. And she countered, and they met. So they really wanted her to be this biology professor in Casper, which actually in Wyoming, that's a pretty nice place. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but uh, we you know, we were out there, and I was like, well, you know, I leave you until I'm going to need to build a brewery here. And then I realized that it was just us. It was just going to be my wife and I and our, our daughter, who was, I think, one at the time and maybe two. And I was thinking, man, this is this is going to be really hard. And then when I started to realize that, well, you know, let's really think about moving back to my wife's home. And she never wanted, she never really thought that would be an, an option. And then suddenly it was. And we really, every time we came back, the community was a huge part of it. And it was great. And so I knew almost, it was just, we just knew that it would be it, there's a good chance that it could work here even though it's very small and fresno is a is a tiny tiny community but it's amazing the community support we get so for example last night was one of our, maybe our busiest thursday night yet or one of them for sure and we had people coming in i i didn't intend to be here that this late last night it's just one of these things where um Someone I finished brewing a little bit later, and I was doing a collaboration brew with Country Malt Group, where they donated the malt for us to make our Maybach. And then, shortly after that, someone came out from Columbus uh, to do a, a brief interview. And then suddenly, I ran into someone else I wanted to talk about beer. And then all of a sudden, it was six thirty. And then we had some family friends coming over to talk about some family business, but because they had lost a member of the family and, and whatnot. But you know, it's a place where lots of you know our friends and family, community members are coming. And so I was just walking past the bar, and people wanted to ask me, you know, about the beer, the maple sap cream ale. One gentleman, he's been wanting to come out for a while, but he's always coaching his kids basketball and and, and baseball teams, and and just he's like, well, it's Thursday night, and it's five o'clock, and I I've got some time, and so he came out, and he just wanted to tell me that he absolutely loved all the beers he had, and he tried two or three different beers, and he just was was. It was ecstatic about it. I was very glad to hear it. And then shortly later, we had a couple farmers roll in. One has a big dairy farm. Uh, just a, It's our neighbor. I mean, it's like two properties over, but probably about three-quarters of a mile away. <laughs> um, but uh, And then you know, one of our other neighbors that's kind of in between who drives hopper trucks for that farm and some other farms, you know, mostly hauling corn, but also all kinds of stuff in hopper trucks. Uh, you know, he's kind of a rough looking character and he's kind of lanky and, and, and grizzled and he's wearing his worn out over coveralls and insulated coveralls because it's cold and uh yeah we talked to him we were talking about beer a little bit uh and you know he was just really enjoying um that our hellas which is common common it's our most it's number one beer seller uh here and stuff so it's just you can go up and down the line and then i mean there was just a really diverse group of people and earlier in the afternoon right when we opened just even before we opened around uh, five to four, a group of folks came in. Some of them are neighbors and some of our neighbors' friends, who I all I know all of these folks uh, to a certain degree, some better than others. But three of them are from Germany, um, you know, born and some of them raised and some of them left when they were, one of them left when they was a child. But they they get together, but they also have all their, their neighboring friends and stuff. And they were here from four to about six o'clock just drinking beer and, and singing like German beer drinking songs and having lots of 
German cheers and and uh, and these are folks that are in their 70s and maybe even approaching early 80s and so, so I guess it, there's a group spanned from maybe early 60s to, to early 80s and it's just fun it, so we have young old men and half that group there I think over half that group was was women so we have men women young old farmer you know business owners uh, soccer you know baseball or coaches and just it's 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 just the community and so uh it's it's fun just to have that mixing and everyone enjoys it and uh the reporter who was here last night uh from columbus he really was impressed he was just this he was he said yeah all of a sudden just different people are striking up conversations to me and i couldn't believe who these people had met this woman from germany and i met this guy who owns a farm and i met and it's it is true it's it's fun to have that much diverse support and the gentleman who was sitting at the bar who was talking about you know his the you know it's his first time here he and really enjoying the beers he he said that this is mind-blowing it's like there is nowhere in the county that has this many people at it like this right now like you can take any restaurant or any bar or any winery and there's just you don't see this and i was like I didn't think about it like that, and I said it's, it's a good, it's a good way to put it. And I said that's that's great. I said hopefully that's not scary, but hopefully that's that's a good thing. But um, so it's fun. I mean, the, the community's really embraced us, and uh, and we've embraced the community. It's been fun. It's been great. Well, and that's uh, we kind of have these three steps that we always talk about with uh, discovering uh, your own joy venture, and one of them is is that you discover that, and then you develop it, and then you share it or you spread it, and. Um, what I love about what you're saying is, is that you, you find success, not just in selling a number of product, although you're doing really well. Um, but the fact that you're building a community here, that you've got people coming here and sometimes people think spreading means going out and doing things. But, but in your situation, it's people coming in, it's coming together, trying your beers, making new friends you know, hanging out by the fire pit. Like, that's really great. I'm excited to see what happens in the summer. I mean, if, if you guys have been this crazy busy over the winter, uh, you may need to build a third driveway <laughs> uh, parking lot before, because it's, I really do think it's going to be a, a really, I think this summer is going to exceed your expectations. I really do. Um, one of the things that, that you kind of went past when we were talking, uh, Thad and I came out after we, after we had kind of had that early morning meeting at Bob Evans, yeah. um, Thad and I had set up a follow-up meeting. We came out here to meet with you. And then um, we met with you guys at a coffee shop, you, your wife, I think it was your father-in-law, a couple other people, and just kind of wanted to, to hear your story. And, and it's what we always do when we kick off a new branding project. And so we got to sit down with you guys, got to know you guys really well. And I asked you kind of off the cuff, where's the property? So, cause we're already out here. We might as well swing by. So Thad and I came in, kind of looking for it, drove past it a couple times, and then found it. And we pulled in, and you weren't here. It was just the two of us, and we were just like, this can't be the right place. Like, this has <laughs> got to be, you know, and it was, it was overgrown, and it was like, we, just, we were just trying to picture this vision. And, you know, I follow you on Instagram, and, and I'm watching you on a tractor that I think was left with the farm. When yeah, you that it. was well. When we, when we bought the farm, uh, fortunately, the, in, the inheritors because the the farmer who was there, he he uh, 
passed away. And I want to briefly mention, so this is Ronnie Norman. He lived on the farm his whole life. He left maybe one day to go to, I think, Cleveland to watch a baseball game, the Indians play. And his father passed away when he was 14 mm-hmm. in the mid-50s. And his mother, Thelma, said, hey, you know, we can give up the farm and move to town and open up a small grocery store or something, just a shop. And Ronnie said, no, I want to run a, you know, keep running the farm. And she said, all right, well, you have to graduate high school. So in order to do that, so he got his driver's license when he could drive when he was 14 because he had no father and he was running the farm. And and then he finished high school and, and graduated. And so he ran the farm as whole with his with his mom, Thelma, and she passed away, and then a few years later he passed away, and uh, then after that, the inheritors. And so the inheritors, fortunately, there's one of them who's a retired professor, and he really wanted the tractor to stay with the farm, and so he uh, he really pushed for that, which was we were grateful for. Yeah. Because, yeah, and it wasn't a fully functioning tractor when you got it. You, I think it needed a little little extra love, but it's one, true. Uh, yeah. I mean, but what I, I remember seeing pictures in Instagram. I, I think part of it was is Thad and I were still in that phase of this is too good to be true. Like when we met with you and, and even coming on the property, we were just, I'll just be honest, we were skeptical. Um, and, and, but, but seeing, seeing your Instagram feed of you hauling logs, like clear, clearing stuff out, hauling logs back and you're saying, yeah, I'm going to take this wood. I'm going to cut it down. I'm going to make the bar tops. I'm going to, I mean, we were just like, you're, I thought you were brewing. Like this is, this is becoming, and then we, we would talk a couple of times and you were like, yeah, I just can't get, I just can't get the people out here to, to get the job done at, at this point in time. So I'm just going to have to do it myself or I'm going to have to get the family along to do it or whatever. And we're just like, man, when is this, is this going to actually happen in your time frame? And I just got to tell you, if I would recommend anybody following your Instagram feed, uh, I, do you still have all those photos up of, Oh yeah, yeah. They're all there. Yeah. It's, you know, everything from hand wood cladding all of your, all of your equipment out here. That's just absolutely beautiful. Um, finding all this gorgeous wood that you found, you know, it's amazing to see what you've done. And, and what I love is, is you've taken not just your joy in brewing, but like that joy in carpentry and you've, you've, you're, this is, this place is you like, this is, this is Kevin. If Kevin Ely could be a building, this would be it. <laughs> right. I think that could be a true statement. <laughs> yeah, I mean it's 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 really neat. It's really neat. Um, and I I remember when we first met and we talked about um, about the woolly pigs. And uh, I I was again I was a little skeptical about the name at first. I was like woolly pig for a brewery. It just didn't seem right. Um, but I'd like I now that it's all come together, it just makes so much sense. And what I love about it is is you had a vision for what this was going to be. And, and it's really cool to be sitting in that vision. It's really cool to be sitting here drinking the beer that you've had planned to make all along. It's just neat to see it all come to fruition. I want to know more. And I think our listeners want to know a little more about the woolly pigs. Yeah, 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 absolutely. I I think that I'll, I'll just add one element to that, that when we found out that, that that was, you know, the name that you were looking for, our instincts are, from a branding standpoint, is to start looking at everything pig-related in the brewery world, but also food, beverage, whatever. And I have to say, in the anytime, anything pig 
the the majority of that stuff looked really really bad and you're thinking oh gosh now are, are we you're gonna get lumped in with all these other really bad pig type things right that you know that you know a, a, a barbecued hog pit and and all these things that you know just haven't taken the care and and again we we didn't we can see it now in retrospect and in, in, in what you've you've physically and by hand built here um, just the care and the vision that you had in the brand. So, so yeah, please do, do talk about the vision of the woolly pigs, because I think this is also going to tie into the style of brewing that, that you do here. It's all German based. And so I love this part of the story of, of how all this comes about. Well, several years ago, when I was in my kind of midway in my career at, you went to brewing, I, could see that we were beginning to expand and we were looking I was working closely with the owner uh, Will Hamill and we were we were meeting with starting we were beginning to meet with people that were suppliers of big equipment that would help bigger craft breweries be more successful I would say uh, more efficient and um, one of these equipment suppliers was Gea Hutman or GEA anyhow um I remember there was a dinner there. I spoke to him. I said, hey, you know, we really should go to the to the Brau Beviala in Nuremberg, which is the largest gathering of brewery equipment suppliers and fabricators. It's a, it's a giant exposition every year with about, you know, 1,800, you know, different companies coming to, you know, present their wares of, in the brewing industry. So it's, it's an amazing event. And I, I always want to go, but can never really felt like I could justify it or, or even ask to go. And so I actually pitched it at that, at that, that dinner that night. And I also said, in addition, I, I also knew that Will Hamill was a, he really liked adventure. I said, we could spend a few days riding bicycles through the Frankish Schweiz, which is the Franconian Switzerland of Northern Bavaria. And, uh, it's this area that's kind of around in the, near Bomberg, which is about 50, maybe 100 kilometers north of Nuremberg. So Will was like, that sounds like a good idea. Like, we can go, we can have an adventure and drink some German beer and, and do this. And so I'd been in Germany a few times already and I had with other German brewers and had a lot of good times there. And I had bought a lot of malt from Weirman in the past, which is a uh, malt fabricator, malt fabricator in, uh, in Bomberg. And um, anyhow, so I I kind of already had a, an inkling of what I how I wanted to to go there, and so we went there and we began sourcing our our suppliers for equipment, and then after that we got on some bikes and just rode out of town and rode through the Frankish Schweiz. So it's just an area that's the highest concentration of breweries of anywhere in the world. Um, Oberfranken, which is the great area, has at the time had almost three hundred breweries. And an area that's probably roughly the size of Connecticut, a little bit smaller, probably like three times the size of this county, probably close to also a million people, but no big cities or towns. Just And it looks just like this. When I brought pictures back from my trip and showed them to my wife, she's like, oh, it looks just like Coshocton County, uh, which is where we're at right now. Anyhow, so on that trip, uh, we were obviously taking pictures, and I saw these pigs. Um, and also want to mention that Frankish fights, meaning Franconian Switzerland, the county adjacent to us to the north is Holmes County, and they call that little Switzerland. It's you know also a high population, high concentration. It's actually the largest population of Amish 
in the world. Um, so it's it's kind of interesting that, to have these similarities drawn. That this area, you know, around us is called basically little Switzerland. And if you go through Charm, which is only eight miles away, it's there's pictures of the Alps and the little Swiss this and Swiss village and they have the Swiss festival. And so it's fun to be in Germany seeing and being an area that looks basically the same and has the same kind of image of themselves. And yeah, and then I saw these, these pigs and uh, took some pictures and they had some babies, uh, which we have some out there right now. Um, uh, and it was just, you know, the babies had stripes and, and spots kind of like baby fawn deer do and uh, the pigs the, the the sows the mother was woolly and it just was kind of cool and I didn't think much about the time and brought you know those those pictures back and shared them with my family and my brother-in-law and, and his wife uh, who is studying uh, at Colorado State University to be a large animal vet was thinking man this is you know these are really interesting so they looked into it and then we all like, all around that same time we ended up you know kind of decided to buy the farm even though we didn't intend you know my wife meant to move here just yet and so it just all worked and so we bought the farm with my 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 brother-in-law Aaron Malanke and his wife Lauren and uh, which is really nice being able to partner together to help work through all the the needs of a farm and and our business here as well and uh, they found us an ex basically it was just a workshop on mangalites of pigs like why they're special so then we really started to learn a lot about Mangalitsa and, and the woolly pigs. And then from there, it was just kind of it progressed, and they got some and started raising them here on the farm while we were still in Utah. And then we moved here, and then we kept continued to breed them. And it then really had this idea that we, you know, the woolly pig farm could be the name, but maybe not. And then, you know, it just became obvious that that could work. So, but yeah, that's the woolly pigs. And so being in Germany, drinking, you know, in this area of the Frankfurt Schweiz, where there's all these breweries, uh, where there's over 100 breweries um, in this very small area that also has over 8,000 kilometers of biking and hiking trails. So you can literally walk or ride bikes to over 100 breweries without having to go more than a few miles, really, or maybe at the most 10 or 15 miles. And so we visited all these breweries on, on that trip and went back and did other trips similar to that. And so it was fun to be in the countryside, which is just like this, visiting all these great, you know, Franconian breweries uh, in the country and seeing, you know, these, these farm families and farm breweries. And, and everyone thinks of farm breweries and thinks of, you know, Belgium and maybe France and, and uh, uh, you know, a few areas, you know, around. But uh, it's, it's, you know, it's, there's, there's farm breweries otherwise that, you know, we don't have to, you know, you can just make good lager beers like they do in, in Bavaria. And and that's something that's always been close to my heart. Those are the beers I enjoy drinking the very most. And that's kind of what I like to brew beer that I like to drink. And I like to share that. And, um, you know, so not that we won't ever have giant, you know, 12% alcohol beers that knock you over, but that's not, it's not our forte and that's not what we're trying to do. We're trying to brew, we're trying to brew delicate beers, beers that are, simple and i think you know being simple and and subtle can be powerful and they can be very powerful you don't need to just come over and you know smack someone across the you know over the top of the head to get them to notice something with flavors it's it's nice to to do that on occasion but it's also nice to just 
kind of discover it, to be lured in perhaps and uh, have a, a nice subtle flavor experience and then that grows and all of a sudden it just kind of envelops you and it, you realize that this that you're really enjoying it you've got a, a bit of an ecosystem going on here there's a reason you picked this this property uh it has some other valuable um attributes that i think help you whether it's having the farm to have the pig you've got you use natural spring water is that correct yeah, well, we have uh, multiple springs and a few wells on the property. So we're actually using uh, we're using well water, but we're using a shallow well. Because what I did when I first got, you know, early on, I felt like a European immigrant. I ran around and I tasted all the water from all the different sources and kind of wrote some notes and picked out the ones I liked the best. And then I talked to a local environmental testing facility, and they said they could do the tests I needed. And I went back, and they gave me the proper sampling uh, vessels that I needed to use to collect for the different tests and went and collected water from the best of the sources, took that back, and then had them analyze it and give me the results. And then and the one that I and, you know, had enjoyed the most just through my taste test, my organoleptic just kind of personal sensory analysis uh, was also the one that was had the best brewing chemistry and that actually was the sh- it's a shallow well that's right near i say shallow it's i mean there's the well behind the farmhouse which is goes down hundreds of feet and this one goes down probably 80 or 90 feet and it's just right by the milk house and i think it's tapping into the river aquifer which you know the river's you know maybe seven or eight hundred feet away and this is the Tuscarora River and so it's just I think it's it, it you know that it was just great to have that that water from our farm here just be uh that's the water we brew with and it's you know you can look at certain beer styles especially European or German lager styles and say oh it's not perfect water but you know some flaws I think are okay like you kind of work with them and you can embrace them and they also can, you know, having slight imperfections can maybe also raise the overall experience a little bit, you know, you know, if it was absolutely perfect water with absolutely, it's suddenly you kind of become hit this sterility kind of Mm -hmm. perhaps, but yeah, so the water and then, you know, the wood is a huge part, you know, all the wood in this tasting room they see in, in, in the, in the production area, the, the brewer there that is all wood from the farm. Some of it is old wood from, you know, uh, reclaimed from some barns that were dilapidated and falling down that that we we pulled down and put into our big barn and stored. Uh, But the rest of it, all the virgin wood, the tables and the bar top and the stools and and the cladding, you know, on the walls and whatnot, it's those are from uh, trees from the farm or if not from the farm, they're from our neighbors. Hey, we had a tree down. You know, so it's close enough for us to drive our tractor over and drag the log back pretty much. But uh, so the resource of, of the wood is a huge, huge thing for us. Um, I don't know how much it would have cost to say, you know, take this drawing that an architect made and then go and find a builder or contractor to, to produce this. I don't, it'd probably be really expensive. <laughs> but for us, it was really inexpensive. And we worked with local. There's all these other resources that are just off the farm. All the, you know, the, the sawyers and the the millers and 
and and all the other you know you know people you know even the logging truck companies. I mean, to have all the wood hauled back and forth, um, and so it was nice to just having all those resources in the community. But again, yeah, back to the farm, the land itself. I mean, we're we've planted some uh, experimental hops just to see which one which ones would do well, and we're planning on planting more hops, but. Uh, right now, we're debating if we're going to do that this year or wait till next year, just because we're focusing our efforts on. I mean, it's it takes you know a fair bit of capital to you know plant you know your your hop yard. So we I think are going to rather invest that in the space around here for you know people to be able to enjoy yeah. <laughs> being here. So, but yeah, and then further on down the road, then we have fields that we have. Uh, you know that are pasture for the pigs um we also have some my brother-in-law has sheep up on the top end of the farm too and uh then you know then some of the other fields we we leased a neighbor for for crops and eventually it'd be nice to have those crops be malting barley which is something that is just i even learned a lot about it yesterday and been learned learned a lot this spring or this winter but Realize that there's some interesting people doing some big malting barley projects here in Ohio, and that's an amazing thing. And so that's something that could really allow us to eventually become even more sustainable and be able to grow barley and have it malted, um, and then bring it back and and brew with it. And it would be all Ohio barley. But in the meantime, we're just trying to use the best, most authentic ingredients possible, which can help guide you know some of these other maltsters that we would work with potentially so yeah and the waste the waste from your beer your uh your spent grain goes where yeah so all all the spent grain and the the trube and anything that uh i can scrape together that from you know divert from going down the drain goes to pigs so behind me there's half a dozen buckets of basically last runnings in this case it was from a a strong beer it was a my box so those it's about probably about seven or eight percent sugar water um that you know we'll go put in a slot bucket for the pigs and then just out you know a few, few feet from that's so the trailer it's got all the spent grain in the true that i was cleaning out this morning and and yeah that just all goes to the to the to the animals and that's good too it's which makes fun. a nice fatty pig yeah it does and then it'll be interesting too with the amount of hop troop that they're consuming if how the hops will impact the the flavor of the meat because that's never really been a thing. I mean, I don't think there's been a lot of uh, you know pasture raised pigs that have eaten a lot of hops to see <laughs> how you know that'll impact the meat. Um, I think it'll be a positive thing. You know, we'll learn. <laughs> so, when did you know that this was that whether it looked like this, but that you were ready to go do your own thing? Because I think part of the the reason we do what we do and, and, and talk to folks like you is. When do you know? When do you know to take that risk? Because here you've bought, you've bought land, you've made you know huge investments, and and you know that 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 that's that's a getting over the hump for a lot of people that would love to do something like this someday, and then that day never comes. Yeah, I, you know, I tend to try to find a a concept or a system or a process to kind of frame. <laughs> my thoughts in often uh maybe to a fault it can be a little bit overly time consuming and distracting uh and you know people around me may think i'm crazy but 
So <laughs> the the thing about the uh, the brewery is I I knew um, you know probably about six to twelve months before I left you into that we were going to do this, but I wasn't. The way I came to it wasn't that I had this dream of opening a brewery. If there had been a big brewery here or do someone that needed a brewer, brewmaster to come and, and run it, I probably would have just come here and, and been a brewer. Um, this just sounds kind of silly. But I mean, it's my, it's my vocation. It's my career. And I also looked at, at brewing as at this opportunity to, of well, if I can't work at a brewery, I need to create a brewery that I can work at. Um, and so I knew that if my wife ended up at this, you know, pursuing teaching, that there's any number of places that we could have ended up in across the whole nation. And when I got there, I would either work at a brewery or build a small brewery. And, you know, coming out here, the thing is, is that building a small brewery, I was, in my mind, I was very cautious towards it just because there's so much that goes into it and it's such hard work and there's such risk that I felt like I needed to find what I thought were ideal circumstances. Be it, you know, you look at the urban geography of like, you know, say Ohio versus Oregon or, you know, a rural community versus a, a an urban community. Or you look at uh, this, the, the state of the, the craft brewing industry or the, just the economy in general and, there's all these things that you can look at, right? I mean, you can analyze everything. And I didn't really analyze things. I just kind of thought about them. And so, you know, we considered moving back to Oregon where my parents and my sister live. And, you know, they, they've moved around a lot. So they don't, they're not, they're, 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 they have their community, but they're not, like, embedded in this community. And so here the community was so strong. I just felt that we could start small and that we could become a part of it. For People that are perhaps learning of you, you know, for the first time, the the question is, well, so where, do I, where do I get your beer? And obviously, you can come out here to your your uh, your brew house and your and your your tasting room in, in Fresno, which is right outside of Coshocton. What are the plans, or where might people that aren't local <laughs> find find your beer um, now or soon? Right now, we're at the Ohio Tap House. Well, I think we still are. We sold them a couple of kegs a while ago, and. They may have already sold through all that beer. If not, there might still be uh, some Pilsner or Goza there. And, uh, you know, we also sold a couple of kegs of beer up to uh, 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 Place Red Hawk up in uh, Cleveland. And, uh, you know, again, you know, it's there's just a few places that we'll probably, you know, be in a little bit. But we don't have plans until really towards the end of the year to take seriously being outside of our local, our county, really. Sure. Yeah. And that's just the nature of it, because it does get hard. You know, the farther your beer goes out, the less you know what's going on. You know, mm. you can't keep an eye on it. And, and the more places you're at, the fewer, you know, the less likely you're to know what, how they're taking care of their tap lines or if they're storing your beer cold or, you know, it's just you lose control of things. And so, sure. but that doesn't mean I, I think there's a lot to be had. So I think when we will we'll be out a little bit, but be very controlled and, and I think what it will likely be is we'll be partnering with people that are good businesses that we like that re- that really like us as well that we want to that are our friends and say hey this person has this great organic farm to table restaurant or something and they really want our beer and 
yeah, we'll make sure that they've got some. And so mm-hmm. I think it's going to be kind of situations like that where we end up being in a few small places like that are people that really want to have us in their place. Yeah. And we will, you know, support that. Yeah. Can, so can people find that information on your website, on, on your social media? Is there anywhere? Yeah. When we start doing that regularly, like the first two places we distribute out, that was just kind of the first you know month we were open and the, some folks came and was like, all right, great. We'll, we'll do this. But, uh, we didn't have any plans for it, but going forward, um, we will, now that we know what our distribution plans are, anytime that we do distribute out, we'll, we will let people know on through okay. social media and on our website because, before it was like, well, if it was 30, 40, 50, how are we going to manage all this? And yeah. now it's like, well, if it's a half a dozen or something, that's easy. And then each time something comes up, that's a good story. And we'll, we can share that story and have everyone then, you know, learn about it on the web, you know, through social media and on, on, on uh, our website. Well, I, I recommend that if, you know, we're, we're, we are based in Columbus, Ohio. If you happen to be in Columbus, Ohio or Cleveland or Cincinnati or somewhere in the area or Pittsburgh, it, it, Pittsburgh. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's not Pittsburgh. that far of a drive and there's so much to do in this area. You know, people don't typically think about it, but there's uh, Roscoe village just around the corner. That's got some really cool stuff for the family. Um, you've got Holmes County, Sugar Creek, grab some park street pizza or some Baylor street pizza. There's just, and, and visit some Amish farms. And there's just a lot to do out here. Plan a day, like come out, um, stop, stop by and, and, and have a beer or two or four and, uh, and come pet the woolly pigs and see the goats running around. And, and there's the local wineries and some wineries. Yeah. yeah. I mean, there's a lot to do in this area. So, you know, it, it may seem like a lot to ask someone to, to make an hour and a half drive or hour, 15 minute drive to just grab a beer, but, but, you know, plan a weekend of it, plan a day of it. There's some, my wife and I've come out and found a bed and breakfast out here. There's just a lot to do. Lots of beautiful beautiful sites and really cool nice towns too. yeah nice yeah. place to drive beautiful towns lots of nice people um but yeah we're we're excited to have you guys yeah open so kevin the, the, the it's been all of this work getting to this point that you're open and now you're open and it's and people are coming um is it a time to sort of catch your breath and just brew or are you already looking like What's next? I'm curious because uh, you've done. I mean, when when you come in here, and we'll have we'll have photos up on the website too. This is this is hand built, right? And so this is a lot, a lot of work. And so there's that sort of whew, moment of of like getting launched and going. So just knowing everything you've already put into this, and now I'm just curious: is it? Let's just focus on the brewing and, 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 and the customer experience. Or are you, do you, are you just kind of that itch of like kind of looking six months, a year ahead or two years ahead? I'm kind of curious wh- wh- where your mind is. I felt like a little bit uh, like I was running towards this finish line in November to try to brew. And I felt like I had it, a little bit was like, you know, I ran, I ran the race and I ran too hard at first. And now it's just sucking wind, but I couldn't stop and I had to keep running. And it was hard, and so, yeah, there's, I, I can't remember what date it was, it was in early November, or but there was this period in, you know, around, just before Thanksgiving, I think, of, of 2017, that I, we pulled our first liter of beer off of one of the Hellas tanks or something, and I was just finishing a whole bunch of brews, and I was just 
drinking it as fast as I could. And just, I was covered in like mash and it was all in the brew house. But, um, that was very invigorating and, and, and stuff. But then all of a sudden, you know, there's, we opened and there's Christmas and the holidays and it was definitely very tiring and just kept trying to catch the wind and, and just, you know, then eventually, you know, there's been a lot of, you know, you know, I feel like the flu has been pretty strong this season and, you know, I was hit by it, but I still had to kind of like work through it. And so that was right at a time where I had to brew a whole bunch that, that like couple weeks and, it was really hard, like just not feeling what good, but just having to put in, you know, twelve. I put in fourteen hour days and stuff during that, and that was sick. And and I was just like, man, it's just so hard. But I just kept, you know, just kept going. And then eventually, over the last few weeks, I've been really starting to really be able to bite off little pieces of the, you know, getting moving ahead mm. and sort of catch. So I think we have brewed our beer. We've caught up. Um, at this thing where I'm now brewing on a consistent schedule, which is what I've been striving to do versus like a whole bunch of beer at once and then kind of catch it and then a whole bunch of beer. And so it's, I think that now it's, it's, I can get, start to define what my work life balance kind of is a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> and, yeah. uh, but also look to the future. Um, some future projects are way off in the future. Some are very near and then there's the stuff in the middle that, yeah. The stuff in the middle, I think, is the stuff that's the most difficult to understand. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Well, we love this place. We love what you're doing. And um, we hope that other people that, that that see the stuff that's being written about you, maybe hear this podcast, will um, you know, come out here and, and, and see what you're up to. Because it's a, it's, it's a pretty incredible place. And uh, Jeremy and I just thank you for allowing us to play a little tiny role and come along with you and, and see this thing come to life because it's, it's, um, th- this is, you know, we get to talk to a lot of people that are doing some, lot, a lot of really neat things. This one has been really neat to see it sort of come to life right before our eyes. And it really epitomizes what a joy venture is. And so thank you for letting us, um, yeah, come along for the ride. Yeah. Thanks. Oh, no, my, my pleasure. And thanks for listening to my very long winded responses. <laughs> Thanks to Kevin for allowing us to enjoy his beer, experience the farm and tasting room, and to recap the journey he's been on to launch his brewery. If you want to learn more about the Woolly Pig, what brews are on tap, and how to get to Fresno, visit his website at woollypigfarmbrewery.com. If you like what you're hearing on the Joy Venture Podcast, we'd love to know about it. Head on over to iTunes or SoundCloud to like or follow us, and we'd love it if you'd write a review on iTunes so that others who are looking to discover their joy can discover this podcast. To hear more podcasts or read the posts that are meant to nudge the dreamer to become the doer that we were meant to be, visit us at joyventure.net. And if you're discovering or developing your joy and need some help, kind of like Kevin did, to create your brand through design and story, we'd love to partner with you. Until next time, remember, never stop discovering. Thanks for listening.